In today's episode of The Spiritual Life, we're going to see Saint Isidore apparently taking advantage of a guy in charge of the Miller. We will also see Saint John of the Cross telling us to do exactly the thing that we don't want to do. And we are going to show you the steps that go up the ladder that leads you to heaven. This is The Spiritual Life, and we're going to cover the duties of state. You are listening to The Catholic Wire. Welcome to another episode of The Spiritual Life. This is your host, Father Carlos Cepeda, and you are watching The Catholic Wire. In this episode, we're going to cover a topic that I... I wasn't sure if it was necessary to do an actual full episode on it, because we have mentioned it repeatedly in the past, uh, but it's a topic that is very important, as all of them, and it is the duties of state. Now, uh, this, I said, is actually something that merits a particular episode because of how fundamental it is in our spiritual growth in a, and in our perseverance and actually in our happiness altogether. The truth is our happiness as Christians, as human beings even, comes a lot from the fulfillment of our duties of state and also that brings the happiness of society. So it's actually a very important topic. The first question that we would have to answer to go right into it is what do we mean by duties of state? Well, these are the things that are incumbent for you to do according to your station in life, to your vocation. And zoom in for the, in this for a moment, in this word, vocation. The word vocation means it comes from the Latin vocare, which means your calling. This is the calling that God is making upon you to sanctify you, to make you to bring you to heaven to make you practice the virtues that he willed from all eternity that you would practice. Your duties of state then are quite uh, quite mingled, you could say, quite intertwined with your vocation. Notice here then the importance of them. If your vocation is your, is your call to sanctity and the duties of state are the way to fulfill your vocation, then that means that your duties of state are basically the stairway, this might be, uh, this might remind people of other stuff, but it will be the stairway to heaven, literally speaking. It is like, if you're going to heaven and your vocation is that set of stairs, then the duties of state rather would be each particular step that you take to get up to heaven. Now from this comes a very important uh, consequence, a very important uh, conclusion. This means that every time that you abandon something that is your duty, you are ceasing to advance in this ladder to heaven. 
Every time that there is a duty of your state and you don't step on it, that you don't use it, that you don't fulfill it, you're stepping down. You're going down. On the other hand, every time that you perform a duty of state, no matter how simple it is, no matter how insignificant it might seem to you, but if you perform it out of love of God, at least implicitly, then you're advancing up in that stairway to heaven. Each duty that you fulfill is a step up that you're taking. So to summarize the importance of them, your duties of state are a fundamental way, not only of your sanctification, but even of your salvation. If you want to save your soul, you have to perform your duties of state. So I'm sure you know all these things, and I'm sure that uh, we've mentioned them in the past. But by now then, I hope that you see why I insisted on making this episode. So today for the quote of the saints, we actually have one that is rather lengthy. It's a quote by St. John of the Cross, and it forms part of what we call the precautions of St. John of the Cross. St. John wrote uh, nine pieces of advice to, to the nuns and to the brothers of Mount Carmel. And this, I have to say, are among the most useful writings of the saints that I have ever read. These are definitely something that I believe people should read almost every day, understand them and put them in practice. At first, they don't seem as, as a big deal, but actually when you put them in practice, you see how useful they are. They are. So from the nine pieces of advice today, this quote, this lengthy one, is going to be the eighth and the ninth advice that he gives. Here's the first one. Never omit any practices if they are such as befit you because they are disagreeable. Neither observe them because they are pleasant, unless they be as necessary as those which are not agreeable. Otherwise, you will find it impossible to acquire firmness and conquer your weakness. Let's pause right there because, you know, there is a lot of uh, construction in there and old in Spanish, really, construction. So let's try to summarize it and put it in, in a more modern understanding. He's basically saying, never stop doing something because you don't like it. As, as, long, as long as it's something that you are supposed to do, as long as it's something that is your duty, that it befits you, never stop doing it just because you don't like it. And on the other hand, never do something just because you like it or because it's pleasant. Your criteria should be, what's the best thing that I should do right now? What is my duty? What is what God wants me to do? Otherwise, St. John of the Cross says, you will never acquire firmness. You will never conquer your weakness. If your criteria is what I like and what I don't like, you will never be strong. You will never be firm. Now, one might think uh, that's fairly obvious. That's understandable. Uh, you know, uh, it seems like everybody would know these things. But no, actually, most of us operate in this way. Most of us, when we're making a decision, our question is not, what does God want me to do? Or what is more useful to my soul? It's always, well, what do I want? What do I like? St. John of the Cross says, don't do that. Actually, do the opposite. Or rather, make your criteria be, what is more useful? What is more my duty? What is more what God wants? 
This is something, again, that you would have to analyze and actually put it in practice to realize, oh, that's what he means. What he means. And then you would be able to get a lot of profit from this advice. The other one is much in line with this one. It's almost like doubling down, he says. In all your spiritual exercises, never set your eyes upon the sweetness of them and cling to it, but rather on that in them which is unpleasant and troublesome and accept it. If you do the opposite, meaning if you cling to the sweetness of them, you will never destroy self-love and you will never acquire the love of God. So here again, what he means to say is the following. He says, when you're praying, when you're doing anything spiritual really, but also your duties, your regular everyday chores, never look at the things that you like about them and, and you know cling to them like this is why you want them. But rather look at the difficult part, at what you don't like, and to that cling. Meaning desire what's difficult, desire what's hard. I'll give you a very simple example. You might start doing mental prayer. And you have a lot of devotion and beautiful feelings. And you're floating up, up in the clouds. And you're liking to do spiritual prayer, or prayer, excuse me, mental prayer, because of those feelings. St. John of the Cross says no. Rather, you know what you should like? The part of putting your time into it, putting your effort into it, of kneeling down, of dryness sometimes. When you get dry and, and distracted, not distracted, but, you know, difficult mental prayer where you actually struggle to pray, you should say, okay, this is good. This is what actually is giving something to God. I'm actually trying hard for God. So that's what he's saying. In your duties, in your spiritual practices, don't look at the nice part. Don't do them just because you like them. Rather, look at the ugly part and cling to that, appreciate that, love that, and do them, especially if you don't like them. That's our quote from the saints today, and it goes right into our topic of doing our duties of state. To continue with uh, our episode from today, there are certain aspects of our duties of states that I would like to consider. The first one is going to be, what kind of sin is going to be if I break, if I am negligent with them? Well, I do want to emphasize that the breaking of some of our duties could be a serious mortal sin, if it is an important duty. For example, the duty, the duty excuse me, to render the marriage debt if you're married, the duty as a priest to visit a sick person that is dying, for example, the duty to teach your children catechism, all of those, not fulfilling them, would be a mortal sin. And like those, there are many others. In other situations, when the duty is not that serious, you might commit only a venial sin. I say only, but that would also still be a sin, and therefore it also detracts of your perfection and your sanctification in God. So even that you don't want to be negligent about. So it can be a sin not to do them. The other point that I want to touch upon is how should we do them so that we get more profit from them. Think of your duties of state as those rocks that you find in the mountain and perhaps some of those rocks have gold inside and you never really saw it and you never really used it and you waste it. So you have them, but some of the rocks you clean them up and you come up with the gold and they're worth a lot. Others you leave them with all the rock and all the mud around it and you never get the true value of them. 
That's kind of what happens with our duties of state. It doesn't suffice for you to do them all, to do everything that you ought to do, if you just do it as a little robot, as everything in your spiritual life. What matters is the love of God. What matters is not so much what you do, but rather how you do it. What sanctifies you is what makes you grow in love. And so you can do, if you want, you can go and do all your duties very, very carefully if you want. You can go and, you know, take care of the taxes and pay your rent and take care of educating your children and making sure that everybody has their beds done and cleaning the bathrooms and doing the kitchen and making the oil changes of the car and fixing the house, whatever it might be. But if you're doing all of those things without love, like a slave, just because you have to, when you get to heaven, you will find that there was a value in them, but not nearly as much as there could have been if you had done them thinking of God, for the love of God, to please God, to obey God. If you do them in this way, trying to put God as your center and trying to, to do them in order to please Him, then our duties of state are not only a mine of gold, they are a mine of diamonds, platinum, uranium, I don't know what's more expensive right now, you know, those rare earths that they have on cell phones. They're a mine of incredible value. And that happens when you do them with that intention. And so this brings us to my third point. That's why it's so important for you to see your duties under this light. Every duty that you have to do, no matter how cumbersome, no matter how annoying, no matter how sick you might be of it, see them under this prism as the plan of God for you, as Jesus' battle plan for you. When you have to do those annoying activities or those difficult chores or those repetitive chores, see them in such a way that every time that you fulfill them, it is like a love letter that you're sending to God, that you're sending to the Most Holy Trinity. And the harder the duty, the more loving that letter is, the more touching it is to the heart of Jesus. This might seem like a lot of pep talk, it might seem like emotional things. It is not. It's actually something very serious and very real. This is really how we show our love for God. So with this, I think I can go, we can go now to our quote from Scripture. I have to say that as much as I'm trying not to look tired, uh, my eyes just keep sinking down. I'm recording this a little bit late, not too late actually, it's not as late as I usually do stuff, but uh, definitely not in the morning as the last video that we made. So <laughs> I just can't help it, I think. Anyways, uh, I'm not that tired even. Our quote from scripture from today is one of our favorites. I know it's the favorite of uh, Father Augustine, for whoever knows, uh, you know, those of you who know him, a lot of you do. Uh, I might have to cut this part from the video too. So it's this this quote is actually uh, one of the favorite ones of Father Augustine, and it's who is my my friend priest that lives in your, nearby, and it's from Romans eight twenty eight, and it says, "I'll read the Latin because the Latin sounds really cool." Shimus quoniam diligentibus deum, omnia cooperantur in bonum, is quesacundum propositum. 
vocati sunt sancti. It means, and we know that to them that love God, all things work together unto good, to such as according to his purpose are called to be saints. What does this mean? This is actually, uh, this is uh, taken from the divine office and it is said in the office of the martyrs. The office of people who were tortured for the faith. And it says, we know that all things, all things that happen to you, all things that happen to them, work together unto good, to those who are called to be saints. What this quote means is in basic terms, that if you love God, everything that happens in your life, both the prosperous and the adversity, or adversity, everything is going to conspire, so to speak, to bring you closer to God, to make you better as a person, is going to conspire for your good. That's what he's saying. We know that to them that love God, all things work together unto good. All things that happen to you, if you love God, everything is conspiring to bring you up to heaven, including obviously your duties. This is so consoling and important because in this life, you will never be rid of that adversity. You will never be rid of things that you don't like, even of sin. Uh, you might be rid of mortal sin, but even venial sin will be with you for the rest of your days. And even if it's not with you, which will, it will be, but you will have to deal with sins of others. But what God is telling us here in Holy Scripture is, if you really love God, and provided that you're not committing mortal sin and you're trying to stay away from sin, obviously, because that is true love of God, but even the bad things that happen, even the bad things that other might do to you, even the bad things that you have to suffer, all of those things are nothing but part of the process that sanctifies you, that brings you to heaven. So it's a very consoling doctrine. Now let us go back to our episode on the duties of state, and we're going to talk about all the good things that come when you fulfill them. From fulfilling your duties, you're going to derive countless good, and we're going to mention that in, in, in a few points. The first one is, you're going to get as many good things as there are virtues. And here I'm not exaggerating. Your duties of state are going to literally push you to practice all the virtues that are more convenient to you. And therefore, by practicing them, you will come to practice all the virtues. But to name a, a, a few of the most prominent virtues that you gain from them, one would be perseverance. Now, when one says perseverance, this is one of those vague notions in Christianity. I say vague not, not because it's unclear, but vague because we oftentimes don't understand exactly where it happens and how it happens. Here I understand perseverance as a certain strength that people have that allows them to continue in the good path, in the good work, in spite of hardships. It is what you would call in the military endurance. You know, you can have a soldier that is very strong and, and he does very good things, but then after a while he's just worn down and he falls, collapses, and he's useless. The soldier that is very useful and, and effective is the one that keeps steady in his work and has endurance. He's able to sustain all the work, all the all the work of the day and of the day many days perhaps, until he's relieved. 
So here in, in the spiritual life, that's what I'm calling perseverance, a certain endurance to continue doing your labor, your labor, to continue doing your good work, to continue in abstaining from sin all the way, all the way till the end. Now, this happens and you get this precisely as you practice your, your daily duties. When you do those, you grow in this strength and you acquire, you acquire this habit, this uh, custom, you could say, of being dutiful and of enduring in the practice of good. So this is one of the great benefits you get from it. Another good thing that you acquire when you practice your duties of state is one of the, one of the most important things and virtues that you want to have, and that is to surrender to God's will. And when you practice your virtues of state, this increases greatly your surrender to God's will. We're trying to love God, right? That's what we're striving for. But one of the main obstacles for our love to God, and one of the things that causes more temptations to us, is our lack of surrender to His will. God is telling us, here is where you go, this is the road that you have to go, this is the cross that you have to take, and we're constantly saying, no, no, I want to go here, no, I want to drive there, no, you know, take this cross away from my shoulder. I want that one, not this one, or that one, but not this one. And God is trying to drive the steering wheel and we're constantly going, no, let's go this way. So as you can imagine, that's disastrous. It's the rebellion of our flesh, the rebellion to the cross. Sanctity then is about our surrender to the will of our Father in heaven. It's when we say, okay, I'm just going to let the steering wheel go, you're going to drive it, and I'm just going to face the consequences of what you, or I'm going to face what you want me to face, rather. And I'm going to stop interfering. It is this loving trust and confidence, this giving ourselves to God, and denying our own will, denying our own desires, this is what really brings us to sanctity. But this you can only acquire by making it a habit of taking what St. John of the Cross was saying, of taking what is hard and difficult but good, what God clearly wants us to do, and obeying to that. You can only acquire this uh, resignation to God's will by facing the difficulties day by day gladly. I say gladly, but there is three degrees that you're going to have. At first, you're going to surrender to God's will with difficulty. You're going to be almost like scratching while, as they're pulling you over there. And, and you know, you'll carry the cross right along, but you'll be kind of complaining like the, like the good thief at the beginning. The next step is you're going to be resigned. You'll say, okay, I'm not going to scratch anymore. I guess I'm going anyways. And then you're going to have the cross on your shoulder and you're going to say, well, you have to carry it anyway. Might as well carry it. You'll be resigned. But then after that, you will come to have pleasure and self-forgetfulness. I say pleasure in the sense of peace. You will be pleased to do God's will. You will be pleased to surrender yourself to him. You will trust him. You will be close to him. And so this surrender to God's will is going to be this, these degrees that I'm talking about, you will be able to acquire them especially 
by doing your duties of state. Now, from the two previous things that we mentioned, we can deduce or, you know, come to the conclusion of the third one, which is another very precious virtue that comes with your duties of state, and that would be patience. It's no miracle, I'm sure you know it. If you do your duties of state daily, you know for sure that you will be patient. It takes patience to do them. Now, very briefly, what is patience and why is it so good for us? Patience really is the art of knowing how to suffer. The name itself means to know how to suffer, to suffer well. And I, I, I do want to say this, to suffer well, because there are two ways of suffering, one where you waste everything and the other one where suffering becomes a treasure. It becomes an asset. It becomes something that it is uh, a source of reward in heaven, a source of more love between you and God. And that is the kind of suffering we want to have. Now, you would say to yourself, well, I want to be patient and I want to be like the saints and I would like to be burned alive and I would like to be crucified or I would like to be scourged to death for Jesus because that's how much I love our Lord. And I would be willing to suffer all these things from my neighbor to go out in a mission like St. Francis Xavier, so forth and so forth. I'd be willing to suffer a thousand martyrdoms. But your duties are, as a matter of fact, a small martyrdom, a small testimony, a small little torture that you can have and with which you can, you can gain a similar reward than those of the martyrs. So all these three virtues that you gain with your duty to state are something really to aspire for. Patience, perseverance, and surrender to God's will. And now it's time to go to our story of the saints. Today we have a story from Saint Isidore, a saint from Spain, who became a saint precisely by doing that, just doing his daily chores as a farmer. They say of him a few interesting things. They say that when he woke up in the morning, he would take of his seeds, of the seeds that he had to do his, you know, farming, and he would throw some to God as an offering, others he would give to the poor, and some he would throw for the animals out there. Someone would say, well, even the animals are part of your alms? And he said, yes, well, they are creatures of God as well. He would all, always, uh, as he led his oxen through the field and as he started his work, he would always pray and offer all his duties which you might say, well, there's nothing religious about them. Well, he would make something religious about them and he will offer them to God. Because of this, God blessed his work to a great extent. Now, on a certain occasion, he brought a load of grain to the mill in order for them to process it into flour. I think it was flour, I suppose. So here's how that worked. Basically, the farmer would come to the guy in charge of the mill. I will call him the miller. And the miller guy would rent him the equipment. And so the farmer would go in there, process his seeds, you know, uh, grind them, and then come out with his ready flour. So this is what happened with St. Isidore. He came with very little grain because he had spent a lot of it. And he processed it, but he came out with a bag that was way bigger than what that grain is supposed to make. He came away with a huge bag. 
So the miller sees the guy walking with the bag and he goes after him and he says, hey, uh, you stole my, my grain. There's no way that the grain that you have gave you that much. And Sinisidor says, well, I didn't steal anything. And he's like, no, there's no way. Are you kidding me? I'm not an idiot. And he started, you know, yelling at him and grabbing him by the shirt. And Sinisidor said to him, okay, just let's do this. Just take as much seed as you, uh, excuse, excuse me, as much grain as you saw that I brought in and process that. And I'll take whatever it gives you, you know, I mean, so that you see that I didn't steal anything from you. And the farm, the miller said, okay, we'll do that. And you'll see how you'll, you'll have a lot less quantity than that. And I'll prove to you that you stole from me. So they went in there, processed the grain again. This time the miller over there watching every single part of the process. And it turns out this time it gave him, I think it was like twice as much or three times as much of what he had at the beginning. So the miller ended up, you know, giving him more, obviously, uh, without a loss of him having more trust in God, of course, and also Senisidor had a proof from God that his work was pleasing to him. We're almost done with our episode for today, but before we go, I do want to speak about something that I would call the delusion of good works. It's a mirage, I would say, of good works. And here's what happens. Sometimes you will find souls that are very eager to do great works, they want to do things that are important. You will find a nun that wants to write her autobiography, or a priest that wants to engage in an elaborate project of a new orphanage, or a mother that spends four hours in the church, you know, praying uh, for 20 rosaries, or uh, a father, a family guy that decided to write a great project of theology to enlighten the whole church of today. In short, you find very devout people who are very eager to do good works and serve God as long as they like it, as long as it is what they like. But when it comes to the duties that they are bound to do, the, duty, the duties that they actually have an obligation to do, these are neglected. These are somewhat neglected, at least. So the nun wants to write her book but she won't do a spiritual reading. The priest wants to start an orphanage, but he will not visit his parishioners. The mother spends four hours in the church, but her house is a mess. The father wants to write a whole treatise of theology, but he doesn't pay attention at the fact that his children are teenagers who are frustrated with religion, who perhaps have few friends. So what of this then? The point is, we should never let ourselves be deceived. The most important duty that we have to do, the most, thing, the most important thing that we have to do, to which all others have to yield, is our duty. If it is mopping, mopping. If it is visiting, visiting. If it is having recreation, having recreation. If it's having fun with my children or teaching them their homework, or whatever it might be, as insignificant as it might seem, that is your main, the most important thing that you can do. What is, at the time, your duty. The last point to touch upon is how do you learn your duties of state and, and some tips to, to fulfill them better. Well, the first thing is this. Of all these things that, that I've been saying, it follows that it's important to know your duties of state 
in order to fulfill them properly. Now, how do you come to know this? Well, to tell the truth is a process that lasts sometimes a whole lifetime. You don't have the same duties when you're a child than when you're an adult. And so that means that as you progress in your life, you actually have to learn them. And sometimes even if someone tells you what are your duties, you only come to realize the full extent of them as you are performing them. So I think as you grow in holiness, as you grow in sanctity, as you grow in the state of grace, you will see more and more the full extent of your duties. What's important about this then is to try to keep your mind always alert and attentive about what is the right thing to do. To always kind of keep attention, okay, what does God want me to do right now? What is the most pleasing, the most... uh, the the better thing that I can do at this moment. This is one of the reasons why we created all the shows or we're trying to create all the shows in the Catholic Wire because we're trying to provide a a sort of a training course for each different state of life so that you can know the duties of your vocation, also known as your duties of state. So try to inform yourself as best as possible. And for this, uh, a good tip uh, that I could give is Consult your priest. Ask about it. Say, okay, I'm a mother. What are my duties as a mother? I'm a father. What are my duties as a father? Um, You can consult the priest and he can be able perhaps to direct you to some good books about it. But especially, you know, when is going to be really a good time to figure this out? Spiritual retreats. When you do a spiritual retreat, try to set aside a time of it so that you can think to yourself, what are my duties? What am I supposed to be doing right now? Am I doing it or am I not doing it? For this, there's another topic, another, uh, excuse me, another tip that would be useful. And that would be examine your conscience. That means every night when you go to bed, as we will discuss in another episode, before every confession, think of the duties that you have been able to determine that you have. And consider, am I, falling, uh, am I failing in these duties or am I completing them? Am I doing them as I'm supposed to do? So do an examination of conscience on them. And finally, and this is the end of our episode. Whenever you have to do something in your day, whenever you have to do your chores, washing the dishes, you know, spanking the children or, you know, uh, taking care of them or changing their diapers, why not say a short prayer? A few prayers. And that way you can sanctify each duty. I have met religious and seminarians that they would always say a Hail Mary before anything. You know, they were going to play football. They were pray a Hail Mary. They were going to wash the dishes. They would pray a Hail Mary. And, you know, that's something that you don't have to do with everyone. You can just do it yourself. And that would definitely sanctify every activity that you do. Even if it's not a Hail Mary, if it's, if it's just a few words. That's why our Blessed Mother, or rather the angel in Fatima, taught the children this same lesson when he taught them to say before uh, every action or before many actions, O my Jesus, it is for love of thee, in reparation for the offenses committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary and for the conversion of poor sinners. That way every action was sanctified. This was another episode of The Spiritual Life. I am your host, Father Carlos Cepeda. And you are watching The Catholic Wire. Thank you and God bless you. Thank you 
for listening to The Catholic Wire. If you have found this show helpful, please say a prayer for all our collaborators. Don't forget to subscribe to our channels and share with your friends. For questions and comments, you may contact us at thecatholicwire.org.